Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Good evening, everyone. How are you, citizens? Hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Anyone else? We can do drive-through high fives right now for free. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, you know how leaders and teachers are not supposed to play favorites, right? Everybody knows that? But how many of you know that teachers do play favorites? How many of you know that even when teachers are like, I'm objective and I love all my children the same, they could very easily say, especially this person, this person, this person. So I'm gonna reveal to you my favorites. Like I don't, I don't favor people, I favor positions. And I just, these people in the front row, I favor you tonight up high. I'm not coming to you, you coming to me. I come 90, you come 10. Boom, all right. Let's give it up for the front row. Right. And then for all of you in the second row, you were so close, you were so close. Next time though, next time. So, hey, how's everybody doing? Nine or 10, 10 days, nine days? Nine days from camp. How, you know what? It's actually seven because everybody knows that the Wednesday before camp is the first day of camp, right? So how are you guys feeling seven days out from camp right now? All right, I can take that. I'm gonna be honest with you. Next week, I'm gonna need a little bit more um, on that Wednesday. We have a special night planned next week as we head into camp. I mean, it's gonna be awesome. One of my favorite things is to look at the pictures of last year's camp. And here, and I, you know, I won't, I won't show you. I won't show you live. I won't show you live. You're also my favorite because you're in the front row too. Look at you. Yeah. Just don't touch me, okay? And so here's, here's the thought, right? If you were to go back for the last five years and look at summer camp pictures, your boy looks the same. Because how many people know once you hit 25, you just start dying, right? Like, I'm not, I've been dying for five years. Like, I'm not growing anymore. But you guys, holy cow, Batman. You change every three months, it feels like. And so next week, I may or may not have some pictures on the, st- on the, on the screen from people in this room. And so you can see how tiny you were even just 12 months ago. It's hilarious. My favorite one by far is Josh Fernando. He's not here. He's in Sri Lanka right now visiting his family. Everybody say, hi, Josh. Josh. We're gonna have one view from out of country. It's gonna be Josh Fernando. Josh Fernando looks like a baby 12 months ago. You guys have to see these pictures. It's awesome. But you guys are changing so rapidly and not just like your physical bodies, but like, like even just their style and things about you. And so it's not uncommon for someone to walk into the room and you go, Cadence, what? Something's just different about you. What? Did you get braces? No, no. Hey, what's Eilish? What? There's something different about you. Like, wait, I know, I know. New shoes, new shoes, new Crocs. Let me see it. Pass the Croc. I gotta see it. I gotta see the Croc. She's got the Croc. That's amazing. I knew there was something different about you, right? You come in, you're like, Kaylee, Kaylee, there's something, di- did you get new glasses? No, did, Michaela, did you get a new haircut? Josh, what is, Josh, you're smiling. That's what's different. Like, what is different? And they're like, yeah, I'm glad you noticed. I got braces, I'm glad you noticed. I got new earrings, I'm glad you noticed. Arden, I got a haircut, nice hat, that's new. You're different. I don't know what you said, but, <laughs> Right? You, you go, what is it about you? You are different. What is it about you? And they go, I'm so glad you noticed. Actually, um, what happened was I aged 50 years. And so Hannah Nishaw walks into the room and you go, Hannah, what's, Hannah, what's different about you? She goes, she goes, math class. <laughs> math class really got her. Matt Rushing, Matt Rushing's texting me. He's like, I'm so excited for camp. So excited for camp. But first, I just had to have dinner with my in-laws. And he sent me a picture after dinner with his in-laws. Just so stressful. So stressful. I was talking, I was talking to Mikey Morales. And Mikey's like, Sam. I can't go to camp. I've been going to EMT school four days a week. I wake up early, I go to school. I'm doing so much. And I go, are you sure? And he goes, yes, just look how much I've aged in the last six months. This is a picture 
yesterday. And I should show you the picture from 12 months ago. He's changed quite a bit in 12 months. All right. And, uh, uh, so Teresa sent me a picture of her and her dad. And I was like, why? Why are you taking like those really nice looking pictures with your dad? He's like, it's not my dad. It's Scott. He started a new job. There's just something different about Scott. I can't put my finger on it, but he's a little bit different in that picture. New shirt, for sure. New shirt, right? Anna, she's, uh, she, she just graduated high school and she's ready to move into the, Anna, Anna went straight from senior in high school to senior in that nursing home down the street. She's like, she's like older than her mom, you know, it's wild, wild there. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but those of us who work on staff, we, dude, youth ministry is tough. Working with students are tough. And so Michelle, this is an after picture of uh, since before when she started, she looked like Michelle and she's been working here for two years. She just celebrated and that's Michelle after two years because of you guys. Because of you and your problems. But that's actually not that bad because Michelle, she's like, you know, she's pretty laid back. She's dealing with the details. But man, when you have to work with our middle school students, when you got to lead tribes and those crazy boys and those crazy little girls, you guys are wild. And so I just, I just, I talked to Courtney the other day. I was like, Courtney, something's different about you. What is, there's just something different. What is it? She's, uh, she got a new haircut. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. And then me, I was talking to my buddies from college. I haven't seen my buddies in a long time. And they were like, Sam, you don't post enough on your gram, bruh. And I'm like, because I'm not doing it for the gram. What? And they're like, but at least on your Facebook. They're like, just send us a picture so we can see how life and God and ministry is treating you. And I just. <laughs> how many of you would still be one of my students if I was that old still doing youth ministry? Anybody? Dude, you would, <laughs> yes. Yo, Courtney, Courtney said to me earlier, she goes, what if we're still doing this when we look like that, right? And I'm like, no way, right? Like, my kid's gonna be like 40 years old and I'm still the youth, that's a problem. You look different. Something's different about you. You may remember that we are currently in the middle of a psalm, Psalm 22, and di- stop it, no. That's so bad, bro. Oh, that's really bad. Anybody a little bit freaked out by that face app, by the way? I'm gonna be honest. It's kind of cool, but it's a little bit creepy. Like, I didn't do it for like a few days because I was like, I feel like that's some witchcraft, some juju gumbo in there that I don't wanna mess with. Like, it's actually making you look like that. It just sucked your soul into your phone and aged you. That's actually what I feel like, by the way. You're like, haha, he looks so old. I'm like, that's my soul right now. But anyway, we're in uh, Psalm 22. We're in Psalm 22 and David is writing a song. He's writing a slap for the Psalms, which is the soundtrack of God's people. And within the soundtrack, within the album, there are different playlists. And so we saw that he's right now writing a song for the laments playlist, okay? A lament is a song. It is an expression, a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And so a a lament is not necessarily a summer slap. A lament is not even a bop. You're not grooving to it. A lament is like one of those sad boy songs, you know? Sad boy. And it's sad. It's sorrowful. And David is exactly where he is when he's writing this. The anguish, the pain that he's feeling, We left him last week. You may remember, we left him last week. He was face down in the dust, eyes swollen from crying all night, face streaked from the endless tears. He had lost his voice because he was crying out in so much pain. We left him there last week. And tonight, he walks in. And we look at him and he's wrapping up, right? He's wrapping up the song. He is here tonight. And I want you to welcome, no, I'm just kidding. Not literally here tonight. But tonight we're looking at him as he wraps up this lament. He's dropping the final verse of this song. And as he does so, we look at him, we go, David, you look different. David, I remember what you looked like last week. I remember the conversation last week. I remember the tears and the pain and the anguish. I remember how you said that life sucks. 
but there's something different about you. Something has changed, David. What is it? (laughs) David, I can't put my finger on it. What is different about you? And David, he looks at every single one of us and he says this. He goes, last week when you saw me, I was telling you the truth. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes you're gonna experience the pain and the anguish and the bitterness of life. But I want you to know that I learned something. I want you to know that I have now moved from pain to praise. And every single one of us who have ever experienced pain, every single one of us who have ever experienced anguish, every single one of us who has ever fallen asleep, crying, tasting our tears, every single one of us who has ever been where David was last week, we all do this move right here. David just said, I've moved from pain to praise. And we all go like this. We all go, tell me more. Tell me more. I've known the pain of life just like you, David. I've known the disappointment of life just like you. I have known the emotional and the relational anguish that you described last week. So when you're telling me that something has changed, you've caught my attention. Tell me more. How have you moved from pain to praise? And David looks at each and every single one of us and he says, I'll tell you. And he picks it up here in the final verse. Look what he says, starting in verse 22. He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. How many of you tell that something's different about David this week? Do you hear it? Does this sound like the David that we saw last week? It doesn't. Let's look at it one more time. Go back to the beginning. We'll pause here. Go back to the beginning here. Verse 22, right? And he says, I will tell of your name in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, This is very different, a a very different David. Last week, his mouth was so dry. His voice was so hoarse, he couldn't even speak. This week, he can't stop shouting God's praises. Last week, he had no strength to talk. (laughs) Last week, he said his heart, his will was like a melting candle. But this week, he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Very different David. I will praise you. And then it gets better. He turns from looking at God and then he starts looking at the people around him. He's like, brothers, you who fear the Lord, praise him. Offspring of Jacob, glorify him. All of you offspring, stand in awe of him. And you're like, when did we get to like an Israeli pep rally, right? I just, have you guys ever been to a pep rally? Right? And it's like, that's what it reminds me of. He's standing here and he's like, make noise, people of God. You know, and you have like the linebackers who are like, their necks are this big and they're like trying to like get the crowd pumped, but they can't raise their arms past their elbows because their shoulders like crush their neck. It's like, (laughs) and they're dead, you know? So it's like, make noise. Have you guys never been to a high school pep rally? You're like, actually in our day, linebackers eat really clean. So they all look super fit. Okay, my point is, uh, it, it reminds me of a pep rally. You know, I thought that would land so much better. That was weak sauce. All right, note to self, no more pep rally jokes. Deal? All right, so it's kind of like a pep rally. He's, he's calling the congregation to make noise. He's calling the congregation to praise, but this is not the empty, shallow hype man. No, guys. These are more than the words of an overly energetic cheerleader. 
this is a beautiful picture of a music leader who, with tears of joy streaming down his face, is calling other people to see what he sees extremely clearly in this moment. The goodness of God. This is like what I want to see Max do one day, where he's going to stand up there and he's like, make some noise for Jesus! You know, but it's not just like the hype. It's like in that moment, the music leader here is calling you to see clearly what he sees clearly in that moment. He sees so clearly the goodness of God. He sees so clearly the glory of God. And so he's calling out, make some noise. People of God, make some noise. Not one of those, hallelujahs, right? Like we've all been to those camps, not a citizen's camp, but we've all seen the camps and the videos and the conferences. It's like, ooh, ooh, and they got the volleyballs in the air and it's like the laser show. Like that's not this. This is not the hype man. It's a passionate call because he cannot stop shouting God's praises. Very different, David. This is more than the face app. This is more than a haircut. David is different. And my question is, how? David, what changed? David, what have you learned? What have you seen that has changed your perspective? Have your circumstances changed? Did things get better? Did your friends be your friends again? Has your pain ended? David, how did you get here? He tells us the next verse. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Here's why David is different. He has discovered a powerful truth. I don't know if David's pain is gone. I don't know if his circumstances have changed. As a matter of fact, I doubt that much has changed since last week. I'll be honest. I doubt that his relational dynamics has changed. I doubt that he no longer has anxiety. His problems are probably still there. That's not what changed. What changed is that he learned this powerful truth. He learned that God is present in the pain. You just hear David writing these bars, right? It's late at night and the lamp in his room is set just perfect. And he's penning this. He's and he's just got the, the beat, right? And the jive, whatever music writers do. I don't know. It's mysterious. But as he's writing this, he's telling the audience, he goes, yo, it felt like I was dying. But even when I felt like I was dying, he didn't despise me. It felt like I was afflicted beyond all hope. It felt like everyone rejected me. And yet God did not hide his face from me. Guys, 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 you got to understand this. Life sucked so badly. I lost my voice crying out in anguish. And even in those moments, he heard me. That's what's changed. I've learned a powerful truth. I have discovered a principle that has changed everything. I have learned that God is present in the pain. I have learned that he always has, he is, and always will be with me regardless of my circumstances. Students, God is so faithful. God is so consistent that no matter your sin, he will not turn his face away from you. No matter your circumstances, he will not love you any less. Are you hearing the excitement from this psalm tonight? He says, I've learned a powerful truth. God is present even in the pain, which is why I can say these words. This is why I can say, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. He says, God, you're present. Therefore, my vows I will perform. You see, God's presence in the pain leads him to praise. How many of you are under 18? Okay. A lot of you. Not you, Cassie P., right? In Chinatown, they age like twice as fast. You're like 36 because you spent a lot of time in Chinatown. I got you from the mic. You can't beat me that. That's awesome. 
God's presence in the pain leads him to praise. And here's my point. (laughs) I'm trying to tell you something that you really can't get it until you experience it. I'm trying to communicate with as much passion and excitement that I can that until you suffer, until you live a little bit of life, you will not really get it. Until you go through pain, you're not gonna understand what David is doing here. Because every single one of you knows God is with you. God always hears you. God always sees you. And you know those truths. You write them down on your, on your scripture quizzes and you answer the questions at Sunday school. But until you go through pain, until you experience the suffering that David did last week, those truths, oh, until you're in the pain, you don't, really, you don't fully realize how good, how beautiful, how life-sustaining the reality of God's nearness is. You're surrounded by people all the time. You have friends and social media and school. You got fake friends, you got frenemies, you got friends, you got besties, you got lifer. I mean, you got so many people in your world, but students, until you know what it feels like to be alone, truly alone and abandoned and alone and alone and alone. The nearness of God, oh, that is so precious. Until you know what it feels like to have no one, you can't really fathom how beautiful God's constant nearness is. Until you're alone in anguish at the end of the rope, you can't understand how amazing the reality is of God's presence. He is with you no matter what. Students, you've experienced pain perhaps. I can't tell you why. I told you last week, I'm not gonna offer you tired cliches and little sayings that you can find on a Hallmark card. You know? I don't know why your pain has happened. I don't know what God is up to. I don't know the full picture, but I do know that something beautiful awaits you on the other side of your pain. I do know that in your suffering, you can experience the nearness of God like you never have. I do know that in your struggle, you can come to appreciate the constancy and the faithfulness and the help of God like you cannot when things are peachy. I know that. Have you ever talked to someone who really suffered? Have you ever met someone or had a conversation with someone who has tasted the pain of life? Have you ever talked to your parents about a dark and difficult situation they faced in their life? Do you know what happens when you talk to them? Do you know, if you talk to a believer, a Christian, a child of God who has suffered and you ask them about that, do you know what they'll tell you? Undoubtedly, they will tell you how they came to a point in their life where they looked back and were grateful. Not necessarily for the pain, but they came to a place in their life where they were grateful for what came out of that pain. They're grateful for the dependence that they learned, the dependency on God. They're grateful for the, for the, the realization of just how near and just how faithful God is. I don't have cliches for you. I don't have the, don't worry about it. God never fails. Don't worry about it. He'll never give you more than you can handle. And you're like, that feels like you're giving me monopoly money. It's good for nothing. I don't have those tired cliches and cheap answers. All I can tell you is this, students, there is a truth that you can discover in your pain. There is a beautiful reality that awaits you on the other side of your pain. And it's the same reality that David learned. And it's the same reality that caused him to move from pain to praise. It's God's nearness. It's his constant presence with you in the pain. I read an article by a guy who suffered, just like I'm telling you. And I, I, I just put it up here. I want you to listen to him. This is an old man not for the face app, he's really old. 
which means he's really wise. Listen to the way he describes the suffering of his life. I read this, a guy named Jack. I read an article by him, okay? Humanly speaking, you may not see anything you can be grateful for right now. Have you ever been there? Like, life sucks. There's nothing to be thankful for. He gets that. Your circumstances are miserable, and you're desperately praying that they will change. God hears you. In a very real sense, though, you're focusing on the bigness of your circumstances and not the bigness of God. God is all-powerful. He may allow your situation to continue, but know this, God is in control, not your circumstances. I tell you this, not by theory, but by my own painful past. When I was unemployed for 18 months, it didn't seem God was in control. When important relationships fell apart, I couldn't understand. When my father died, I felt lost. I had cancer in 1976. I was 25 years old and could not give thanks. 25. And then it gets crazier. In 2011, I had cancer again. But look what he says. This time, I was able to praise and give thanks to God. Sounds like David. Even in the midst of cancer, he, he's praising God. Even in the midst of death, he's praising God. And so we ask this guy, Jack, just like we ask David, how can you possibly move from pain to praise? What have you seen? What have you learned? What has changed your perspective? And he says it here. I've given thanks to God, not for the cancer, of course, but for his steady, loving hand through it all. The difference was that I was able to look back and see that no matter what happened to me in the past, God was with me and he brought me through it. This is way more beautiful. This is way more life-sustaining than cheap cliches. This is where David is. He sees God's nearness. He sees God's presence in the pain. You could even say, especially because of the pain. And the result is beautiful. He moves from pain to praise. And as he praises, he gives us a beautiful example of praise and worship. Because not only is he blessing the Lord, right? Because you're there and he's like, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And he's praising God. He's like, yes, not a show. He's praising God. Why? Because God is present. And God's presence in the pain leads him to praise in the pain. But look at this. Not only is he praising God, he turns to other people and he addresses the other people in the room. And so he looks at Ashton, who's next to him, he's praising God. And then he turns and he goes, hey, I need to remind you of truth. That's part of praise and worship. He turns to the other people in the room and he starts reminding the people next to him of why he's so excited. So imagine you come into the room and you're like, dude, life sucks today. And you're sitting there and the people next to you are singing. And the whole time they're singing to God how good he is, how faithful he is, how near he is. And you're just like, why are they? Why are you singing? Life is not good. And that's why in the middle of our praise and worship, we don't only praise this way. We now turn next to each other and go, let me remind you of why I'm praising. Let me help you see what I am seeing so clearly in this moment. Hey, 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 don't forget, Ashton. The afflicted shall once again be eaten, be satisfied. <laughs> hey, Anna, 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 I got to remind you, sister, the reason I'm so excited right now is because those who are lowly and feeling like they're starving in their souls, they will once again eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise him. Don't forget. So he's reminding the people around him. He gets so excited. He's turning to the people next to him. Not only is he reminding them, he starts blessing them. He's like, may the Lord bless you, right? May your hearts live forever. Last week, my heart felt like a candle of wax that was melting. He goes, may your hearts not die. May your hearts live forever. Bless you. Praise the Lord. God's presence in the pain leads us to praise. Do you guys get it tonight? 
in the pain, we find a powerful truth that God is with us. No matter what. Unconditional love for us, no matter what. And that powerful truth leads us to praise him even when the circumstances haven't changed because we're not praising him for the circumstances, we're praising him for who he is. And so God's presence in the pain leads us to praise. Who's us? Who's us? We are citizens. But who's us in this text? Who's us? He's like, David and his wife. No, no, who's us? Say it. I'm not gonna, who's us? We is us, yes. <laughs> I'll wait, I'm, not, I'm literally not gonna, who's us? Christians, the people of God. God's presence in the pain leads us to praise, leads God's people to praise, leads Christians to praise. But you wanna hear something crazy? You wanna see how he ends his song here? Not only will it lead to us praising, not only will the reality of God's presence lead us to praise, friends, no, 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 God's glory is so big that it is going to draw. God's glory is so big that it is going to demand praise for more than just us. God's praise is going to be praised and brought forth by more than just us. Look who else is gonna join in the song. Let's finish it here. All the ends of the shall shout your name. Sh- oh, sorry, wrong one. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Remember and turn to the Lord. Maybe we sub those lyrics for Yahweh next time, okay? And all the families of the nations shall worship before you, right? That's why I don't write the song lyrics. We let other people do that. For kingship belongs to the, to the, and he rules over the nations, all the prosperous of the earth, Process of the earth, eat and worship. I like that line. Dude, that's a tight line. I'm gonna get that over my doorpost in my house, right? Eat and worship. Oh, yo, is there late night tonight? Are we eating and worshiping tonight? Do not, late night. Dude, eat and worship. I gotta highlight that in my Bible. Next time, eat and worship. Wow, before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity. Anybody posterity in this room? You're like, I don't know if I should be offended or if I just don't know my vocab. Either way, I'm kind of offended. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a generation, to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Hey friends, God's praise will sound from people in all places at all times. (laughs) Oh guys, I'm getting excited here. Turn on the AC. You're not hearing me. God's people will praise God, but there's more. God is so big, it will result in praise being brought forth from more places. Look what he says. He says, all the ends of the earth All of the families of the nations shall worship before you. What he's saying is people in all places will praise. What we are seeing very clearly in the midst of our pain, what you are seeing right now, perhaps even because of your pain, there's a day coming in which the whole world will see it. God's glory, God's goodness. He says here, the prosperous of the earth. Not only the prosperous and the rich, even those on the other end of the spectrum, those who are dying, those who are going down to the dust. Students, look at me. This is not some hokey God 
of one particular tribe or people group. This is not some backwoods, redneck, religious mumbo jumbo that we are praising. This is not a God of a certain ethnicity or tribe or economic class. This is the God who created all people. So one day, all people will kneel before him. One day, all people will see him for who he is, giving him the awe and adoration that he alone deserves. Because students, in reality, kingship belongs to the Lord. This is not an American thing. This is not a Brazilian thing. This is not a Chinese thing. This is not a a French thing. God is the king of all the nations. He's not the God that fits in your pocket. He's the God who made that. And so God's presence in the pain will result in us praising him, but it will also result in all of that praising him. Paul says it so powerfully, one of my favorite verses in Philippians chapter two. He says, therefore God has highly exalted him, this is Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know when we're singing praise and worship, and those moments where you raise your hands or those moments where you bow your head or you may even like bow on your knees as if to say, God, you are amazing. You know how you do that willingly? There's a day coming where every single person all over the world will do that. They may not be doing it willingly. On that day, they may not be doing it because they're in a personal loving relationship with this great God. They may be doing it because they're going to poop their pants when they realize who he is. This praise will be shouted forth from people in all places. And look what else it says. Posterity shall serve him. Posterity means the children that we have, those who come after us. Ancestors, Posterity. All of you are posterity, okay? Because people in all times will praise. People in all times will praise. Do you guys know about like the different generations in America? Like you got the baby boomers, the represent, the one baby boomer in the room just said represent. You got the Gen Xers. You got the millennials. You're actually not a millennial. That's cool. You got the Gen Zs. Right. And so here's the best way to think, right? You, there's so many different ways that the different generations poke fun. I think one of the greatest things that you can think about the generations, if you really want to know about that generation, look at what they held in their hand or in their arm. Let me explain. You guys, warning. This is like a trigger warning. I should have like, cuidado. What you're about to see is very dangerous. And you may not understand it. So please don't get triggered, right? Um, That's your warning, okay? Some of you, I'm going to show you a relic. You've never seen this before in your life. This is called a telephone, a rotary telephone. How many of you, if I give you a hundred bucks, could not figure out how to make a phone call with this? How many of you could not? How many of you are like, Sam, even if you paid me a hundred bucks, I cannot reach the people on the other side of that phone. It's crazy. All right. Eventually, so this is my, I remember we had one of these when I was really little and I remember my sister, she was 16 at the time and she would pick up the whole phone and have the cord trail her and she'd go into the bathroom because so she can talk with privacy, you know? And that's funny. The way that you would dial, you'd put your finger on one of the things and you have to go, it's something like that. Trust me. I don't, I don't know the sound effects. I was like three years old. Okay. So, the, so eventually the phone evolved into something way cooler. Look at that. Instead of rotaries, you had buttons. How many of you guys ever had one of those in your home? Okay. 
How many people, you remember that, right? You're like, I remember that from a TV show. Uh, and so there was buttons on this phone. Eventually, you know, this was super cool though. Like when you had this, it was like, wow. I can just, it's like a dial, touch, touch dial, I think it was called. But eventually people said, you know, bro, I'm tired of being held down by the cord. I want to have a phone that can like be loose. And so eventually they realized they can take a car or take a phone with them in their car. Can you reach outer space with that phone? What in the world? So they thought they were super cool because they could now talk on the phone in their car. That's not... Uh, Hello, it's 2019. That's not very safe. People FaceTime in their car, right? Dude, this is literally a brick in their car, okay? But as, you know what? People were like, hey, I got to hang up with you because I arrived at my destination and the phone only works when I'm in the car. So somebody was like, yo, we got to evolve this. We got to be able to take the phone outside of the car. Now I have to give you another trigger warning because what I'm about to show you is going to make you feel very dirty. It's going to make you feel very uncool. This is something that if you have this in your possession, you will probably be beat up at your school. I'm giving you full warning. This is the first cell phone. Yo, they tell me the dreams of the 90s are alive in Portland. How many of you right now, how many of you would say, Sam, say less, I would rock that in school this fall. How many of you would bring that to school? You would do it, no way, for real. If I get you one of these, you will proudly carry this around. You would do it. Yo, I wanna see you guys, I wanna see you guys even try to put that in your pocket though. Like you have to bring like your own bag for the phone. All right, all right, that's not cool anymore, apparently. Eventually, the next generation of phones would be way cooler, way more slick, way Dope. Yo, do you know, listen, 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 Shh, right up here, listen, look up here. Do you know how cool you felt when you pulled this thing out? And this was the move right here. This is how you told people you were important. This is how you told people that you were making money right now as they awed your greatness. You'd whip out the phone and you go one of these, you go. He just went full extension, right? He's pulling the antenna out. Right? It's like, right? It's like you're calling outer space. And then this is where I tap in because this was actually my first phone. You ready for my first phone? The flip. I'm going to tell you right now on camera, I'm telling you right now that my kid. His phone will be a flip phone until he's 18. <laughs> Say less. Hold me to that. Hold me to that. Yo, we should start a new challenge. I challenge you to turn in your smartphone for a flip phone for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, I'm willing to bet that more than half of you are like, I kind of like that. I'm just saying, try it. Cassie's like, no, not in Chinatown. All right, it's all right, Cassie. And then finally, everybody can let out a collective sigh. <sighs> Finally, right? I skipped the Blackberries and the Palm Pilots, right? And so here's what this teaches us. Here's what we learn. Shh. Here's what we learn from this lesson. Every generation, every generation has what they think is cool, but eventually it is traded out for something more relevant. Every generation has something that they think is awesome, but it quickly becomes irrelevant and they move on to something better. Students, what I'm trying to tell you tonight from these verses is that worshiping our God is not the fad of one particular generation. Our God is not something that was cool for us, but our children to find it irrelevant. Praising our God is not something that our parents found useful, but that's become irrelevant for our day and age. No, students, this is going to be in all generations. Our posterity will serve him. Your children will serve him. And then you know what your children will do? They're going to teach it to a generation that hasn't even been born yet. Generation B, 
I'm assuming it goes back around after Z. Gen Z, and then we get Gen A, and then Gen B. All right, is that not how it works? Sociology, anthropology jokes. <laughs> okay. I need a middle score. How many, any middle scores here? Middle score? You, your middle score? Come up here, come up here. Middle score? I need like a little middle score. You three, right here, come up. Come up, yeah, yeah, you want to come? Come. Middle score, I just want a middle score. All right, all three, come up. Yeah, just come. You want to come too? Come here, Foster. Come here, buddy. Come here. All right. Middle scores, come here. All right. They're just children. Stand up. I want you to stand right here. Move down, move down, move down. I want to look at you. I want to look at you. I want to look at all of you. Slide down. I got to get a good look here. I got to get a good look here. All right, let me see this. Oh my gosh, you guys are so little. I literally feel like the face app right now. Middle schoolers, look at me here, all right? Look at me. I want you to understand this. You're still young, okay? You're still just little niños, okay? But one day, listen to me. Say one day. Say it louder, Foster. One day. All of you. One day. One day, you are going to be responsible to pass on the faith to another generation. Do you understand that? One day, you're going to be responsible, Miss Newkirk, to proclaim his righteousness to a people that are yet unborn. Do you understand that? Like right now you're at the bottom and you're like, teach me, ah! I'm like, I'm mommy birding you with the gospel. You know what I mean? I'm chewing it up every week and I'm just coming in. And I'm like, poof, you know? That's discipleship. But one day, middle schoolers, one day, as you grow, it will be your responsibility to pass this on. Do you understand that? All right, good. Now you stay here. Come closer. Move to the middle. Move to the middle. High schoolers, where are you? High schoolers? High schoolers, I want you to look at how little these people are. High schoolers, eyes up here right now. Shh, shh, silence. Eyes up here. High schoolers. One day has already come for you. High schoolers. One day is today. High schools, you're responsible. This is the generation right here. Graduates, where are you at? Seniors, where are my seniors this year? This is it. This is the next generation. And it is our responsibility to the coming generation. This is it. It's your responsibility to pass on the faith. One of these little ninos up here will one day be Micah's small group leader. That blows my mind. And frightens me. So you better get it right. <laughs> like one of these, one of these lovely ladies may very well be Everett's kids teacher in the K through one classroom. That's like five years away. You know, like what? Like this is what we do. God is near to us, and so we praise Him. But it's not just us all of the world, people in all places, people at all times will praise him. Thank you guys, you can take a seat. We praise the Lord. This is what we do. And so here's how we're gonna respond. Here's what we're gonna do. There's only one way to respond to this kind of text tonight. There's only one appropriate application for a group of students hearing what I just taught you. We gotta praise them. Let's praise him. God's presence in the pain leads us to praise. So tonight we're going to praise. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand up, but I gotta teach you something. Stand up to your feet. And we're gonna sing. But before we sing, before we declare praises, you need to understand three things. And for those of you who are maybe newer to citizens, Maybe you've only been here for a little bit of time. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing these kind of things, but let me teach them to you. Number one, as you praise, I want you to remember this. Remember that you are praising something bigger than you. Some of you guys, when we sing, you have the attitude as if you are stooping down to pet something that is smaller than you. You know the voice you make when you're petting a dog? What voice do you make when you see a cute dog? What do you go? Aw, right? That's not praise. Listen to me. That's not praise. That's called patronization. <laughs> when you look at something smaller than you, listen, shh, 
when you look at something smaller than you and you stoop down in your heart to go, oh, I recognize how nice you are. That's not praise. When we are praising God, you must remember that you're praising something bigger than you. You're not stooping down. Your soul is reaching up and you're praising something that is infinitely bigger than you are. So praise accordingly. Number two, let your praise reflect his greatness, not your feelings. I know what it's like to be a teenager and you come in here and you go, I'm tired, I'm hungry, school's hard. My parents are parents. I don't feel like it. And so you praise in light of how you feel. But guys, God's presence in our pain leads us to praise. So you praise him based on who he is and he never changes. And so here at Citizens, from this day forth, no more of this. Like, do you understand? I'm, I'm getting excited here. Not because it's my personality. I'm getting excited because David has moved from pain to praise. He has discovered something truthful, that God is the same. He's always with us. So praise him as if he's always with you. And then here's the third and final thing. I can't say this more strongly. Remember that we worship in a congregation. You cannot come to praise and worship and act like you're the only person in the room because you're not. So that means that you're mindful of the people around you. More specifically, you're mindful of the influence that you have on the people around you. I'm gonna tell you a very personal story here that I'm not proud of. But when I was a teenager, I used to like to do this during musical worship. I used to like to like goofy dance like this and I would shake it like a Polaroid picture, you know? And then if my friends weren't looking at me, I would nudge them to go, look what I'm doing, All right? And I'd do like the praise God like this. And you know what? My youth pastor said something to me that changed my life, all right? My youth pastor said to me, during this music, are you wanting the people around you to be looking at God and praising him or to be looking at you and praising you? that made my heart drop because here I am in a congregation of people praising the living God and I'm trying to stand up on the stage in front of him and get people to look at me students remember when you're praising right now for the next 20 minutes as we're singing there are people around you are you causing them to look at you or are you causing them to look at God are you distracting them so they can look at this and they're like no I don't want to look at that I'm looking at God People in the congregation, praise him. People all over the earth, praise him. People in all generations, praise him. Because God's presence in our pain leads us to praise. Amen? Amen means I believe it. It's true. Amen? So let's praise right now, remembering these things.